Hello, this is episode nine of season three, and it's the last one for the season. Now, in this episode, I will be sharing the key areas where money can disappear in a project. So let's take you through them so that you're clear how to manage your risk around these specific areas. Here we go. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Our Get It Right podcast partner this season is Kiko LED. So Kiko LED is customizable DIY LED strip lighting that you can order online to your specifications for your needs and your project. So perhaps you've been looking for that integrated designed lighting solution and you found it really hard to access as a one-off for your project. It's expensive to get made to order or it requires your electrician to do a bunch of work on site to make it happen. But you can just see that LED strip lighting channel concealed in your joinery or perhaps included in the walls of your stair void or around the edge of your deck to add drama in the evenings. Then I really encourage you to check out Kiko LED and that's Kiko K-I-I-K-O. Now, previously, this level of customization and design for lighting solutions, it was only accessible to those in the trade. And Kiko instead brings custom linear LED to you from their headquarters in Brisbane, Australia. And it's all able to be ordered online via the Kiko website. So you pick your design, you pick your length, you pick your LED light type. If you need help with designing your LED strip lighting solution, you can always jump on the phone or email one of their team as well. And I've been able to organise with Kiko a fantastic UA community-only offer. So if you head to their website at www.kiko.com.au forward slash undercoverarchitect, you'll be able to access a $25 discount to use on your first order. And that link will be in the show notes as well. So pricing starts at $95 per lineal metre plus shipping. So it's great quality, really affordable product that can really offer that lighting design edge that you may be looking for to make your new home or renovation project feel great. Now let's get on with the episode. Now, as I said, this is the last episode in season three, which has all been about how to set and stay on your budget. Have you been listening to the whole season? I hope you have, and I I hope that it's been super helpful. We've really covered some ground when it comes to budgets and renovating and building. So let's just briefly recap. So the season began with looking at where to start when setting your budget. And I took you through how to think about what your project could cost you, what it should cost you, and what it will cost you. And when you're setting your budget this way, it really helps to give you some checks to measure and adjust your budget in those early stages. In episode two, I shared some of my favorite resources to use when setting your budget, both online and offline, and also shared how to get the most from them. 
Then in episode three, I debunked five top money-saving myths. Look, from my years of experience, I've heard those five money-saving ideas be shared by homeowners, seeing them as the key to not only saving a lot of money in their projects, but worse, actually being able to afford to do their project at all. And unfortunately, I've seen them cost people far more in the long run. And I shared those experiences with you in episode three. Now, episode four took you through the key things that you can do, whether you're building or renovating, to avoid budget blowouts before you've even begun. And the best thing about these items that I took, these key things that I took you through, was that all of them can be done before you even start your design process and get your designer on board. And they can actually give you great intel for your design process and how to begin. Next, in episode five, I outlined what can go wrong in navigating that first conversation with your potential designer or builder. You know, many homeowners fear that they can give away far too much or that they can set themselves up to be taken advantage of. So I also outlined what it should look like when you do get it right and how to have that first conversation more confidently. Then in episode six, I took you through the four warning signs to help you when you realize that your budget is unrealistic. It can be a really difficult adjustment for many when you feel that you won't be able to build or renovate your home because you don't have sufficient budget for what you want to do. It's not the end of the world though, and there are ways to keep moving forward. And I shared those with you in episode six. Episode seven took you through the various steps along your project progress to get costing information and who to get involved at those points. Now, getting your project costed, it's not a one-hit wonder. And the best way to create a design that you love, plus a budget that you can deliver it on, is to get that costing info step by step. And in the last episode, episode eight, I shared with you the three key strategies to use when spending your budget during construction so that you can save it, and manage to deliver your finished home on budget without blowing things along the way. And finally, we're at episode nine, which is the last of the season. Now, as you begin to design and plan your new home or renovation, chances are that you'll be looking at the spaces you want to create, how you want to wrap them up, their size, their shape, etc., and what you want to put in them. So materials, fixtures, finishes, furnishes, furnishings, colour, all those types of things. And when you start to allocate your budget to these dreamed and imagined spaces, finishes and fixtures, you know, it can be a surprise to see how quickly it gets consumed. And often in my experience, the reaction will be from homeowners, where is all the money going? (laughs) There are many things required to create a working, finished, new or renovated home. And they can chew up a significant chunk of your budget, yet some of these things can be almost invisible in the finished home. So in this episode, we'll go through the main areas where money can disappear in any project, where you feel like it might be being sucked up by these invisible things so that you can manage these components in yours. And I'll share the main hazards to be aware of and how you can protect your budget in these areas. Now, of course, the items that I'm listing here, they're not exhaustive. And the best way to manage your budget is to manage all of it, okay? But I have seen these specific areas regularly surprise homeowners and end up costing them far more than they intended. So let's go through them. So firstly, let's look at services. So by this, I mean particularly plumbing and electrical. Now, your services are the invisible spaghetti that runs behind walls, under floors, in ceilings, under the ground, and it gives you the modern conveniences that we also love having in our homes, running water, uh, lights that turn on and off, and toilets that flush. 
Now, services are usually one of the first things that need to happen on site as well. Before concrete is poured, pipe work will need to be run into your home and located correctly to create penetrations or holes in your floor slabs to allow water and power to run to where it is required in your home. Now, if you're renovating and you're increasing the number of plumbing points in your home, you can actually trigger the need to upgrade your services overall. And this can also apply to electrical work as meter boards may need to be upgraded for additional power types, say for air conditioning and for the extra loads that you might be adding. There can also be additional work required with the services to and from your actual block of land. You know, you may be required to get stormwater from your property to the street. Sometimes your existing services may be so old that they don't have this in place or they'll be running through a neighbour's yard. Or if your block falls from the street to the rear, it might mean that you actually need to pump all of your stormwater back up to the street or and your sewerage as well. Or you may need to get permission to run it formally through the neighbour behind you you in order for it to meet current codes and regulations. In a renovation, you know, upgrading can also be an unexpected cost for old homes because when you renovate significantly, you generally need to bring all of your electrical and plumbing up to current standards. So not just the work that you're doing in the extension, but potentially to the entire home as well. You know, things like wiring, smoke detectors, old plumbing fixtures, non-water efficient tapware, non-energy efficient light fittings. Sometimes all of these things might need replacing in order for you to achieve your building approvals, depending on the amount and type of work that you're undertaking. So when you're building or renovating, how can you protect your budget when it comes to services? Well, here's a few tips for you. In renovations, I recommend that you locate new wet areas near where the old wet areas were in your home to help minimise the uh, reworking of plumbing and the lengths of run overall. In new builds and in renovations, locate your wet areas near each other or above each other. So for example, when you're doing two-story homes, put your wet areas upstairs over your wet areas downstairs. That will help you minimise plumbing runs overall. Locate your hot water unit close to where it's needed the most, okay? And this will help you minimise running costs and water wastage. That whole thing of standing at the tap waiting for the hot water to arrive can really be alleviated if you think about where your hot water unit is uh, located. I recommend that you lock down your plumbing layout before you start your build, okay, because changes to this on site, they'll either not be possible or they can be very costly once construction starts, particularly if your project involves any pouring of concrete. When planning your electrical, that whole more is better approach to PowerPoints, it'll only work so far, okay. So really think through what you're going to be plugging in where and what, okay? And allow double PowerPoints and single PowerPoints in the best spots and think about how you can hide them from view with your furniture so that you don't feel like you've just got, you know, PowerPoints running everywhere over your walls and that's all you can see. So for things like your, you know, your fridge, your oven, your dishwasher, your microwave, you'll usually only have one appliance plugged in and the PowerPoint will be hidden in a cupboard. So a single PowerPoint will be enough. Architects call PowerPoints and light switches wall acne when it's not arranged with care and intention because that's actually what it looks like, all right? So 
If you can get advice from a lighting supplier or a consultant for your electrical lighting design, that's also a really good step because it's an easy area to overdo and to underdo. And retrofitting is really challenging and when you overdo it, of course, you've spent more money than you really needed to. And I recommend dimmers, uh, at least on your dining areas, your living areas and in your master bedroom for ultimate flexibility with your lighting. Now, the next area that can swallow your budget is excavation and retaining of your site. Now, your site may look fairly level, but it's amazing how even the flattest of sites require some earthworks in order to put a flat concrete slab on them. Getting your site ready for your new home or renovation is another area where money can just really disappear. Apart from the actual cost of the earthworks in terms of the machinery to dig and flatten and take away the soil, there can be extra approval costs that are required with your local council to do earthworks, as well as any unexpected costs if you hit rock whilst digging. That's a big one. And then, of course, there'll be the cost to hold the dirt back or to retain it. So if you're working on a sloping site or excavating into your site to create some lower floor space, you know, you'll need to put structure in place, of course, to securely hold back all that dirt from your home. In addition, you'll also need to find ways to help the wall stay straight. So it's going to be obviously need to be built sufficiently strong and it's going to need to provide opportunity for water to get away from behind it so that the water doesn't just sit there and put extra weight on the wall, cause the wall to fail and to leak. You know, any retaining wall that is uh, one metre or more in height, even in a garden, will generally require structural engineering advice, which means you'll need an engineer to draw it and to sign off that it's being correctly constructed. And most councils will require an approval if you intend to do more than one metre cut or fill. So basically take away or add more than one metre in height to your natural ground level. So all of these things can, of course, take time and money in consultant fees, in approval fees, in construction costs when you're managing excavation and retaining on site. Now, you know, when we think about old Queenslanders or weatherboard homes, the the conventional approach to renovating them is often to raise and restump them and then build in underneath. That can be really hard for people in other states of Australia to understand that Queenslanders will actually, instead of putting a second story on, they'll actually lift the entire house and build in underneath it. And, and for Queenslanders, it can feel like an inexpensive way to claim space that's already being used on the site, um, but it often is just too low in head height. You know, most Queenslanders will be built as raised homes, but downstairs uh, won't be legal height and will just be used as storage. And so it seems like a logical thing. We'll just actually raise it a little bit more and then we'll get all of that extra space quite economically. And the house restumpers themselves, they may tell you that it's only around, you know, twenty. $30,000 to restump a house, uh, which, you know, just basically means lifting it and putting new structure in place. And that can seem really affordable to gain all of that extra room. But what's not factored when they give you that price is all the excavation and retaining work that can then be required for you to get a level area underneath that home to pour the concrete slab and build walls and the excavation required to pull old footings out and all of those types of things. And, you know, it can it can seriously add up and be significantly more than what initially seemed like a super affordable option. So when it comes to excavation and retaining during a renovation or a new build, here's how to protect your budget. So where possible, reuse the dirt that you excavate on site. Dirt pretty much triples in size when it gets pulled out of the ground. It never fails to surprise anyone. And transport costs to relocate dirt are a big part of the cost of excavation overall. If you're planning a pool, 
and you think that you'll reuse the dirt on site as part of future works, then get a master plan designed for your whole project first, okay? You don't want to limit what you do down the track just because of where you located the pool. If you can keep the height of your retaining walls to under one metre, that will help you avoid the need for a structural engineer to be involved. And if you can get your site properly surveyed and use this information to best determine what level your new home or renovation may be positioned, you can find that the smallest tweaks in height can actually save big dollars in earthworks costs. If you can determine the cost of these works early, I really recommend that you build in some contingency as well for any surprises on site. And I also recommend that you don't scrimp on waterproofing your retaining walls and that you provide suitable drainage because you will pay far more in the long run if these walls leak or fail overall, okay? Now, the third main area where money can go missing is in your home's skeleton or in the structure of the home. Now, contemporary design, be it for a new build or a renovation, it will often mean open plan design, you know, big connected rooms with few internal walls and large areas of glazing to let in all that gorgeous natural light, which is, of course, facing the right direction. So I want you to picture a rigid cube, okay? Basically, you know, a cube with all sides are solid and you start cutting holes in the walls of it. And then you take out one or two corners of it. How rigid is it now? Well, look, with the invention and use of steel and glass, our homes went from being a series of little cosy, dark and connected rooms, basically these little rigid cubes, to these generous and open plan, transparent and light filled buildings. However, you know, our homes are still structures that need to be able to stand, withstand natural forces and hold up a roof over your head. So there, of course, is the direct vertical load of holding a roof up. And if there aren't internal walls to hold up the roof and all the walls themselves have got loads of holes in them from, you know, big glass sliding doors and windows, then you're going to need extra structure to span all these larger distances. And these, this structure will need to be steel or engineered timber, depending on the span and the load on it. There's also lateral strength, okay, which is what stops the home actually twisting and moving from side to side. So if you think of your rigid cube again, when you start cutting holes in the sides and the corners, you know, that means that you can push and twist the cube quite easily. Now, what stabilizes this is bracing. So this is actually extra structure that will go into your home to stop that twist and push. And this can be done with sheet material as plywood. It's when you see bracing ply get fixed to a frame, but sometimes steel is required as well. All of this steel, engineered timber and plywood will generally get hidden inside your walls. It's an invisible skeleton of your building that enables you to have the open spaces and big areas of glazing, but it costs more money than conventional building methods and it will only be visible in what it creates in your home, not what it actually is. And in fact, if you do decide to show off all this structure, so you have express timber and steel structure, you'll generally pay more for it because it will need to be a higher level of finish than is standard. And it will need a high level of detailing to make sure that all the connections don't look too clunky. You know, conventional residential building, if you think about the project homes that go up very quickly in our suburbs, they're generally a timber stubbed frame with a brick veneer. And it's lightweight, it's easy to handle, it's cheap, it's quick, it's easy to install, and it's easy to change on site as things need to happen. 
whereas steel is not. You know, it's heavy to move, it needs to be accurately sized for its use on site, and it involves special fixing and welding to put it together. So, of course, it's going to come at an extra cost both in materials and in labour. So, how do you protect your budget when it comes to the structural design of your home? I really recommend that you limit the structural gymnastics that you're asking your design to perform, okay? You can still achieve open spaces and lots of glazing without the need for extensive amounts of steel structure and the added expense. You know, don't design the spaces and then think about the structure later. Any designer that you're working with, uh, if they're experienced and good at what they do, they should be integrating the structural design at the same time. They won't necessarily be able to design the structure themselves but any experienced designer will have a good understanding of structural design and they'll also be coordinating their work with a structural engineer to make sure that there's a good understanding of how that's all going to inform your design overall. This is the best way to capitalize on efficiency and economy in your design and to manage your budget overall. Now, the last area that I'm going to mention about where money can be swallowed in your renovation or building project is in the extra living expenses. You know, this one is worth mentioning purely so you can budget for it. So if you're creating a new home or you're renovating your existing one, you know, chances are that you're going to be needing to leave it, to live somewhere else whilst that happens. And that can mean that you're paying rent whilst you're still making mortgage payments on a home that you don't live in yet. And you can also be paying two sets of utilities. So council rates, they won't stop just because you're not there and you also may be paying electricity and water bills at two addresses. And if time overruns on your project, you know, these extra living expenses can be a source of great stress and cost. And they may also include storage and also pet care as well if your pets are having to live somewhere else whilst you renovate or build. So when it comes to extra living expenses, this is how to protect your budget. Factor them into your building budget upfront. I know it sounds logical, but a lot of people don't, and they definitely forget to allow some contingency if their build or renovation takes longer than expected. And if you're renting, weigh up whether it's cheaper to put a lot of your personal items and furniture in storage and to rent somewhere significantly smaller for the duration of your project, rather than renting a house that's big enough to house everything that you own as well as you and your family. Now, of course, there's lots more areas, all right? These are just a few of the areas that I know can gobble up your budget and make you feel like you're not getting much in return because they can seem like the boring necessities of your build and you can actually resent them requiring any allocation in your budget. You know, there's there's many more items like this, site establishment costs, insurances, scaffolding, council application fees, just to name a few. These items, they're all required and they're all critical in completing your project. However, when you're dreaming of your finished new or renovated home, they're usually not where you imagine you'll be spending your money. You know, often all of your focus will go on the things that you can see and then you start getting quotes and there's actually these line items in your building quotes where big chunks of money are being allocated and they can make you question what those items of money are actually buying you. So understand what these areas will be and have early conversations with your designer and builder about these areas so that you can factor them in early and include them as your plans develop. You know, protect your budget so that you still have money left for all the things that aren't so visible and uh, are way more fun to spend your money on. 
Now I have one last word on this and really this is the last word for the season. I see homeowners behave like it's a foregone conclusion that their project will blow budget and timelines and renovating and building does not have to be that way. Okay, Renovating and building, it's not a one-step process. It's a step-by-step journey of discovery and selection. Sometimes you might only have two options. Sometimes you might have 200 and sometimes you might feel like you're crawling and at other times it may feel like huge jumps are being made towards the finish line. The most straightforward way to avoid nasty surprises on your renovation or new home is to start with good information and a reliable team. And then you can also work to make informed choices as you go, checking and adjusting along the way. You know, what did we say in an earlier episode? Adapt and innovate. Revisiting your design, your budget and your timeline at each of the stages that I've been mentioning in this season This will help you do this and it will ultimately help you make the best choices for you, your budget, your site and your life because that's the way that you create the perfect home for you. Now, don't forget to check out Kiko LED. They've been an incredibly generous uh, podcast partner for season three. They've got a discount just for the UA community. And I really want to thank them for their support and enabling me to bring this season to you. Go to Kiko, www.kiko.com.au forward slash undercover architect and you can grab your $25 discount on your first order. It's been really exciting to be able to bring this new online way of ordering strip light fittings in LED for you that are customizable that you can order exactly to the length that you need in the profiles that you can choose from. I think that Kiko LED is a brilliant company and you know is a really great design result for your home. Uh, And that was season three. So I hope you've enjoyed listening to it and that you found it super useful in learning how to set and stay on your budget. Now we are starting a new season shortly, but I've got a little interlude for you coming up in the next episode that I want to share with you so that you can get extra ready for the next season. Okay, so in the next episode, I'm going to be helping you with your communication. So many problems during design and building on any renovation or new home project, they can be traced back to communication issues. So either misunderstandings, assumptions, or actual complete communication breakdowns. If you can get communication right throughout your project with all of your team, it can be a game changer for creating success in your project. So before we launch season four, we're going to be spending a little time on communication and how to get it right. Until then. Thank you for tuning in to the Get It Right podcast with Undercover Architect. Now, if you head to the Undercover Architect website, you'll see loads more helpful information on how to get it right when designing, building or renovating your home simply and with confidence. Not only can you see all the podcast episodes there, there's also a wealth of written blogs and of videos too covering all sorts of topics. And there's other ways as well that Undercover Architect can give you more support and guidance for your project. Now, if you've enjoyed listening to 
the podcast, please subscribe so that you always get notified of new episodes as soon as they go live. And I'd love it too if you could please leave a review. (laughs) I know that iTunes doesn't make it easy to leave a review, but when you do, this is super helpful in spreading the word that this podcast exists to others who really need to hear it to get help with planning their future homes. This has been Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. Thank you for listening and for letting me be your secret ally. Looking forward to next time. Bye. Jack Rabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.